Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom. And Casper's Black Friday sale has up to 30% off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with 86 supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to 30% during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com slash terms for more details. Happy Saturday morning. Welcome to another episode of Collider Mailbag. I am your host, John Roca, and today is a big day because I welcome one of my favorite dudes on the planet, a guy I love to banter with the most. Uh, that is Jeff Snyder over there. How are you, Jeff? I am great. Thanks for having me on Mailbag today. <laughs> a lot of energy going on in the office today. A lot of stuff happening, but we're sitting down to answer questions from you, the fans. You guys sent in a bunch of questions. I sent Jeff like 24 questions. I said, Jeff, pick five. He picked seven. I said, pick five. And eventually he picked five of them, sent them through. We're going to answer five of them today on the show. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what Jeff's answers are, what my answers are, and if we end up getting in any fisticuffs as it goes along but either way it's going to be a fun time uh you guys know we asked for the questions uh from you on the social medias there on twitter and on instagram but that hashtag collider mailbag makes it easier for me to find or if you don't like social media you can also email us at mailbag at collider.com and i pour through all those questions to pick them up for this show yes nothing let's yeah. do it did you enjoy i'm this? ready yeah let's get it on all right our first question it's a twitter question it comes from at at Badger Cheese 84 he asks, Dear Mr. Roca and honorable guest, well, if you only knew, Very he, do you feel that the comedy genre has lost its way, or is there a talent void? I appreciate the capital letters there. I look back at my favorites, The Great Outdoors, Tommy Boy, Uncle Buck, among others, and I don't see classic comedies being made anymore. Jeff Snyder. <sighs> comedy is so tricky these days, you know, because yeah. there's so much. It's just like a minefield. So it, it's like... You know, 40-Year-Old Virgin, which I think is a great comedy. It has that whole, like, you know how I know you're gay scene? Mm. That wouldn't fly in a movie today. Uh, and quite frankly, just a lot of the humor that I think that, you know, we laughed at growing up, whether it was as teenagers or even me in my 20s, I don't think it would fly today. Um, mm. So it is becoming tougher. I don't know that it's a talent void, although the talent has definitely evolved. It's moved on. Look at Jonah Hill, who, who's a mm. guy who made us laugh for years. He's kind of focused on making serious films now. He wants to right. direct. Uh, Seth Rogen has a thriving producing career. Mm -hmm. uh, ben Stiller has a thriving directing career. 
Um, Will Ferrell, like, you know, he can get together for, with John C. Riley and they can make sh- uh, Holmes and Watson, and it's supposedly, like, horrible, it's and nobody terrible. goes to see it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a, it's a tough time right now. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think it's a great point. I mean, you look at the comedies that have come out, right? The Long Shot, which is the Seth Rogen one that's coming out. People get a lot of good reviews, but it's a schlubby guy going up to it. the pretty girl. Is it good? Is it not good? The reviews have been great. So, But you look at Trainwreck, The Spy Who Dumped Me, Game Night, Blockers, Incredibles 2, Crazy Rich Asians, Paddington 2, Central Intelligence, Keanu, The Night Before. Those are some comedies that have come out recently, but I think Jeff hits it on the head here. Comedy used to be the place you'd make, you'd, you'd do the, you'd, you know, do, you work a little blue. You make a little jokes, off-color jokes, little PC, uh, jokes that weren't PC, rather. And nowadays, comedy seems to be in more of a, let's be, let's accept everybody, let's love everybody, everybody's equal, everybody's the same. We're all, and it, it's an interesting uh, a development or change revolution in comedy to more of of our tastes now that are a little more reserved than they used to be something like blockers though is a nice change but why has that happened k canada female director doing a raunchy sex teen comedy it's coming of age still very heart uh, heartfelt film but she can get away with it because a female director a male director can't do a film like that nowadays like they did like you were saying in the old days look, look at the top talent okay look at melissa mccarthy right you now who just signed on to to host like a game show right uh, you know she has the kid Kitchen coming out, which is a, a crime drama uh, this fall, uh, and she just did "Can You Ever Forgive Me," which was fairly serious. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was funny, but it was, it's not like the kind of comedies that, that we know her for. Tiffany Haddish is wrapped up on the last OG, right? right. Uh, you know, Amy Schumer is still doing co- uh, comedy tours. She just had a baby. Like people have, like the the big comedy stars that I think that we rely on. They're doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, th- so that that is part of it too. But um, but no one seems to be coming up, and I think that's a valid point that Badger Cheese is making here. No one seems to be coming up from the young ranks of comedy to do these comedies that, like, even Neighbors to a degree had the younger guys in there, Jared Carmichael, mm-hmm. what have you, of course, Zac Efron and uh, and uh, uh, Franco, Dave Franco, but. They're not. It's not necessarily focused on them. It's an older couple right. trying to deal with that situation. Well, some of the best comedies though star unknowns. Like look at mm. American Pie. Like you know who who knew Jason Biggs right. before Good point. American Pie? And, and like you know last year you have Game Night and Blockers, yeah. which are probably the two best studio movies of the year. But then you uh, you know the third best comedy of the year I thought was The Package, which was on Netflix. Oh right, The Package. Uh, where, right. You know the guy who who chops his own manhood off <laughs> accidentally, and his friends have to rush from, rush to to reconnect the two. Uh, right. I, I thought that was great. And that the biggest star in that was um, the girl from Blockers. Right. Geraldine uh, Viswanathan. Nathan. So. Yeah. I just, I just think that's what's happening. Comedy's progressing to where it's more female-led now than it ever has been before. And you're seeing more of that kind of style of comedy come in. So I think there are still some classics. Blockers is fantastic. I think there are some classics being made that are just not being made at the same clip. And that could, you could also look at the fact that superhero films have really taken over the cinema. Yeah. So there's not enough space to create as many comedies as we that's had. True. Before. So, all right, what's our second question, Jeff? It comes from Johnny P116 on Twitter, <laughs> who asks Hey, Collider, I was wondering what are your top three summer release movies that you're looking forward to seeing and why? Keep up the awesome work, loving all the content. Um, Spider Man Far From Home is definitely one for me. Uh, Godzilla King of Monsters. 
and Hobbs and Shaw. So it's summer, which means I got my big bowl of popcorn, my big Coke, and I'm sitting in the theater with some candy to enjoy a popcorn film. And that those three films are the ones that I'm looking forward to the most of the ones coming out. Now, are there smaller films? Yes, Rocket Man. I really hope is good. Um, and there are a couple other films that are coming out that I really want to see. I saw Ma the other day. Ma's fantastic. I was kind of quietly looking forward to that one. And Margo, that one Margo. Oh, yeah, I'm not allowed to say, am I? Oh, there we go. Well, well, go I, I won't tell on you. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, what do you got, Joe? Well, definitely not those three. I mean, okay. I am looking forward to seeing all those movies. In fact, I get to see Godzilla Saturday night. Son of a... Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm pumped for that. But um, th- those were not the movies that made my list. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you could have guessed the Quentin Tarantino film. Right. Well, once, once upon, upon a time in Hollywood. Hollywood. I've been talking Certainly about that for a while. I couldn't limit myself to three just like I couldn't pick five <laughs> of questions. I just don't know how to count. They did, I, I didn't study math at NYU. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk about just a few movies that I think are flying a little under the radar right now. Okay. Uh, horror movies. Child's Play. I'm, okay. so, I'm so pumped for Child's Play. Like, right. I don't know how, how good it'll be. We'll see. But I just I grew up on Chucky. Um, Midsummer from the director of Hereditary. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, he, that looks really good. And then Ready or Not is this movie coming out, uh, directed by the Radio Silence guys. It's coming out in August. Mm-hmm. That I really just like the premise for that one. Then you've got Stuber, the comedy with Kumail Nanjiani and Dave Bautista. Yeah, yeah. I think that looks uh, like a lot of fun. And Good Boys. Yes. Or Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, good the boys. Kitchen. That Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish crime drama is one. And then finally, uh, Aquafina's The Farewell. Oh wow! I love that trailer and moved me to tears. And and the movie's supposed to be great. Mm-hmm. I've seen some other. Okay. Uh, summer movies like at CinemaCon, like Late Night, Blinded by the Light, yeah. Wild Rose. Those are all terrific. So check those out. Too. What about Yesterday? Have you seen Yesterday yet? Haven't seen Yesterday. Okay, okay. Can't say I'm going to see it either. <laughs> I, the reviews were not encouraging. The trailer was not encouraging. This yeah. is a tough premise for me to wrap my mind around. Understood. Understood. Well, there you go. He asked me for three. I gave him three. I'm, I'm sticking with three. So, so. Those are good, three good blockbusters. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. It's the summer. That's what I want. But yeah, I'm I mean, looking throw... forward to those smaller films. Exactly. Well, I'll throw Brana's All is True. I'm looking forward to that one as well when that comes out we'll see he's a massive shakespeare fan all right uh all right let's move on to our next question is from instagram dennis stanfield asks what's going on at the roca says and guest with mother's day passing and father's day coming what are some of your favorite movie slash tv memories you have with your own parents with my mom it's loving the marvel movies and cheesy action movies battleship lol with my dad it's the jerry brett sherlock holmes oh what an interesting juxtaposition there uh love those episodes have a good one Hashtag Collider Mailbag. Jeff. I feel like I'm learning something here. I didn't even know Jeremy Brett. I don't know who that is. That's the A&E Sherlock Holmes, son. Oh, the A&E. So he, not on the big screen. Not on the big screen. No, okay, it's a TV okay. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it's it for TV. years. Like okay. Suchet with Poirot. I don't yeah. think I'm familiar with that actor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look him up after this. Mm-hmm. Get um, Jeff. Let's see. Uh, Psycho was one I watched with my mom, you know, <laughs> because a boy's best friend is his mother. The original? Yeah. Okay, the, good. Yes, the original. Uh, the Bad Seed. Ooh, you know, yeah. That was one that she turned me on to, the, uh, Wait Until Dark, which is one of my favorite thrillers, oh, the, the Audrey, Audrey Hepburn, Hepburn movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite older films. I'll always remember seeing like the Hunger Games movies with her because mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have seen them on my own, but she was really into those books. I took my whole family to see Manchester by the Sea. That was oh, that yeah. was a tough experience. I remember uh, I'd go to summer camp every year, and before I went to summer camp because. You know, if you're 10, 11, 12, I was allowed to see R-rated movies at home. But at summer camp, they won't take you if you're underage. Right, right. So I, I, every summer before I left, I would see one big uh, action movie with my parents. Mm-hmm. Speed, The Rock, Eraser, whatever whatever it was. Uh, so those were special. Um, and then, like, the premieres that I took them to out here. Mm-hmm. Like, the Amazing Spider-Man, I think. And then, let me here's a little trivia. I'm going to test John on, on camera. Oh, no. Na- can you name a Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, Liam Hemsworth movie from, like, 2013? 
Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, and Liam Hemsworth. Uh... No way you're gonna. No, this. I don't. It think was so. called Paranoia. Yeah, it was no. a relativity movie. I took them to that. Wow, they had a blast. They met all the stars. Um, Is that around the firewall? A stage of uh, Harrison Ford's career. A little bit later. Yeah, a little yeah, bit later. Okay. What about you? Oh uh, yeah, for me, it's my dad and I watching the Godfather movies every Christmas. Whenever I came home, because Rogue I, Family Tradition. Yeah, Rogue Family Tradition. All the first two. We didn't never watch the third one. Never <laughs> watched the third one. But certainly the first two we would watch on Christmas Day. We'd handle our business, open the presents, shower, have some breakfast, sit down, and then we'd watch the entire saga from beginning to end all day. And we'd wrap it up with Scarface at night if we had like. You know, if we had the energy to do it more, mm-hmm. more often times as my dad got older, we couldn't quite do that um, then. But that's certainly a tradition because um, I haven't been living in Virginia since 1997. So every year I'd go home. That was our tradition for Christmas. My dad and I um, to do that. So and not much else. My dad, TV shows. Dad's a big Jeopardy fan. So we'd watch Jeopardy all the time or Wheel of Fortune. Certainly those are the things that TV shows that we watch. Didn't watch many procedurals or serial film uh, shows with my mm-hmm. dad. But my mom is a massive fan of My Cousin Vinny. She loves comedies. So My Cousin Vinny is the one she would talk all the time. She'd come up to me. She goes, what do you mean utes? What do you mean utes? Utes all the time in the kitchen to make herself laugh. She loved that kind of stuff. Uh, And Stir Crazy. Stir Crazy with Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, one of her favorite comedies all the time. She, whenever somebody would say something on television that was weird, she would lean over and imitate that, uh, the warden of the prison in that scene, and, she's, and she'll go, that boy's confused. <laughs> and that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, but my, and, my, and the Cantinflas movies, which is a Mexican comedian. If you don't know Cantinflas, he was in Around the World in 80 Days uh, way back when in the 60s. But that's something that my mom loved. So we'd watch all those movies because they took them to me in D.C. when I was a kid. So those are things we do all the time with my mom and my dad. That's about the extent of it. I had two others. I forgot. Okay. I saw American History X with Dad okay. when I was 14. That was, you know, a, t- a tough film to watch. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing American Pie with my parents. That was awkward. <laughs> um, and then I remember showing them Foxcatcher. Like, I had the screener, and oh, I brought wow. it back, and we all watched Foxcatcher, and afterwards they just turned to me, and they go, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, screw you guys. You have no taste. Anyways, we can move on. Yeah, Question number nice. four mm-hmm. from Joel Hammett. Ew. Coming in via email, he asks... What real movie would you have loved to have reported on since day one of the news dropping that it would be made, getting to report on every little aspect of the film until finally seeing it? Feel free to choose a future movie as well, John. I I think I have to say Iron Man. Uh, Just to be at the beginning of a movement that would change cinema as we see it now, 2008, Robert Downey Jr., Coming off of uh, coming off of the uh, you know the arrests and his drug addiction and studios not sh- being sure they can take a chance on him, being a massive fan of Robert Downey Jr. from the '80s up until Chaplin, and then see- reading about his stuff in the tabloids and all the stuff he went through, seeing a studio take a chance on a guy like this, John Favreau, who had loved since since Swingers, stepping into the director's chair, Jeff Bridges, a massive actor that I love as well, Gwyneth Paltrow, being on set or reporting it from beginning all the way to the end, and then having it turn out to be so great would have been incredible for me uh, to report on and to be there and to talk about and then maybe I'd pull a Mance and get to sit at their table at the Critics' Choice Awards or something. Uh, That would have been a blast. Uh, And then maybe check back in with Downey Jr. 10 years later and be like, look how incredible uh, this has become from this one film that people didn't know was going to become such a huge hit. I was was working at Variety, I think, when Iron Man came out. Ah. And we definitely didn't have any idea of, like, what it would lead to. Right. 
Um, yeah, it was like Iron Man, like the guy from the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. I started following development news when I was 15 years old, 14 right. or 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And the first movie that I really started following was American Psycho because it was going to star Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. Uh, and I was really into serial killers and all that kind of stuff. So if I could have gone back uh, and reported on that one, that mm-hmm. would have been interesting. And then, you know, like I obviously handle a lot of the casting stuff for Collider. Um, so I think it would be fun to watch these really like cool ensemble movies come together. So mm. I put together like five of them. Uh, Scream. Oh, uh, okay. I've been like the, the person reporting on, on Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, the Paul Thomas Anderson movies, Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Both would have been cool. Uh, Dazed and Confused. Um, and then the, the the real fun one, I think, would have been Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. Just with all those A-listers. Like, if I was a reporter oh. and, and, you know, Clooney's announced his Ocean, then they're like, oh, you know, I hear Brad Pitt's going to be in this movie. And you're like, Brad Pitt? Wow. Like, oh, and Matt Damon, too. Wait, Pitt <laughs> and Damon? They're not up for the same role? I'd probably have to, like, go back with sources and confirm that. And then it's just, like, everyone else who was in those yeah. movies. Uh, yeah, that would have been cool, especially with Julia Roberts as uh, the cherry on top. Yeah. I, I tell, I'll throw one in. That would have been crazy, and they've done a documentary on to have been from the beginning uh, in maybe the uh, confidence of Francis Ford Coppola as he made mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now to have trailed him as he, uh, you know, dealt with all the weather issues that occurred that delayed production on the on the film. How he had to mortgage his entire house, doing all these press conferences, possibly going insane, mm-hmm. uh, replacing the lead actor Martin Sheen. Uh, it was supposed to be Harvey Keitel replacing him two weeks in with Martin Sheen, and then having Brando show up, having not read the script, having not memorized the lines overweight like shaved his head for some random reason and then just being on the set the whole time i'd probably gone insane and get 10 diseases then dennis hopper all of it would have been incredible to see how it turned out and then being at the premiere that night to see how all this madness led to one of the greatest films ever made that would have been something see, as well you you do bring up a cool thing though like about being uh sort of growing with a filmmaker yeah and, and, you know sharing that sort of uh path together if you will like I've had that with a couple of filmmakers mm. in this town, and it's been really exciting to have been the first person to have ever written about their script sale, and, and right. now to see them uh, where they are. Like that would have been so cool to to have either befriended a guy like Tarantino, sure. or Tarantino. or there's uh, I just finished the 1999 book, uh, best mm. best movie year ever by Brian Raftery, and had a really interesting tale. I think from Glenn Kenny, who's now at the New York Times, right. about riding the Sundance bus with this filmmaker who was super dejected. He had just had his movie premiere at Sundance, and all anybody was talking about was like the Blair Witch Project right. on the bus and that filmmaker was a guy named Christopher Nolan huh. following and he's All like right. I, I wish that my movie was the one that everybody was talking about on the bus right. and sure enough a year or two later it they it was with Memento right right yeah see those are those are fun things and you envy reporters that get a chance to be at the beginning of a movement in film it's always incredible to see where it goes because it's it's like riding a uh, it's like riding a roller coaster you know, you just sure. never know where it's going to stop and how many dips there's going to be along the way, but it's worth because it. Because a guy like Damien Chazelle, you oh, know, yeah. will remember who were who was there championing Guy and Madeline on a park bench. Right. You right. Know? Scott Mance. All right, everybody, thank you. Thank you so <laughs> much. Great. We have another question, John. <laughs> Do we? Oh, yeah, we have one what, more. What Sorry about that. What are you doing? This guy doesn't uh, we, even know. We got into you some can't good discussion. <laughs> it's true. All right, this is an email from Daniel Barda. Sorry, Danielle. Uh, he writes, uh, hey, during the post-Oscar show, Jeff... 
Snyder mentioned a top awards strategist. What is that? Mance mentioned over campaigning. How does campaigning affect Oscar voting? Shooting voting be based on the voters' opinion of the movie? Thanks. Danielle squeezed in three questions into one. Yeah, really. It's crafty. Uh, it's very crafty. Sh- sh- listen, shouldn't voting be based on the voters' opinion of the movie? Yes. Sure. Uh, but that would, it, it's naive to think that, that that's it's the case. It's only that, right. Yeah, because there's so much politics. Hollywood is a game of politics. Mm-hmm. Hollywood is a game of relationships. Friends voting for friends. Sometimes the, these Academy members can't even be bothered, and they just have the housekeeper fill it out. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, a little secret is, like, you know, Peter Bart, who was the editor-in-chief of Variety for a long time, he used to bring in his most trusted, you know, film reporters and critics, and we'd all use vote together on his ballot. Wow. Okay? So that wasn't just Peter's opinion. It mm. was the, the ballot was essentially Variety's ballot. You right. know, that's how he sort of saw his ballot. Um, so, anyways, a top award strategist. You know, studios, for uh, they each employ different um, strategists. Uh, Lisa Tabak was a very popular one employed by Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. you know, during the years where he was winning all these Oscars. Right. Uh, and Lisa Tabak started her own company that was very successful, and it would consult with different studios, sometimes, you know, studios that have competing movies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, there'd be different kinds of agreements, but Netflix just bought Lisa Tabak and her whole company. Right. So now, uh, you know, she's a top award strategist who is dedicated solely to Netflix. And, and, you know, maybe there's one or two other clients she's allowed to have, you know, mm-hmm. Godfather did, I don't know. Um, Tony Angelotti is another one. You know, mm-hmm. he is the Angelotti company. So they function as a normal PR company, but he's also known as like an award strategist. Um, so he works with Universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Robertson works with Warner Brothers. And so each, you know, Cynthia Swartz is another big one. She's based out of New York. So these are all sort of Oscar whisperers who, who know the Academy voters, know, you know, what to, how to court them, how, what, what, you know, who to invite to the luncheon, who to sit next to who, that kind of thing. And right, they know who has right. the ear of other Academy members, and they find celebrities to host screenings. You know, you know, you always get those invites. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson invite you to see some movie that they have nothing to do with. Right. But, you know, are backing this season. Yeah. It's that kind Well, the over-campaigning thing is also something that does come into play. You can saturate the market a little too much, and people start to turn on your film. People start to not want to vote for your film because you're being so nakedly desperate to get their vote. This town does not work with desperation well. You cannot radiate desperation in any situation. People will smell it, and they will turn on you. They like it if you don't care. Right. strike the middle ground. Yeah, you've got to strike that middle ground. This last Barry episode, one scene with him in a particular famous comedy director and he could care less during the audition and walks out the director goes well he didn't really seem to care at all what's his name i gotta get him back right, and that tell, that's exactly right, how this town is it it's exactly how this town is a lot of the times yep. you gotta authentically not care and people can sense that and they somehow want to work with you more why because this town is full of insecure people and when you turn them down that's what they're used to that means they they want to get it even more from you well, than you did before at, at the end of the day i'd like to think that talent and the work speaks for itself. Sure, you, you like people like that. Monique who didn't campaign at oh, all. Right. Yeah. She won Melissa Leo. Her, her studio wasn't going to buy ads for her. They mm-hmm. were, you know, invested elsewhere or didn't think that she had a chance. She paid for her own ads and yeah. she won. I would like to know? think, I think Into the Spider-Verse is the same situation. Once people saw it, critics started talking about it being nominated for a best, uh, for a, uh, a best animated feature. But going in, no one was even thinking about campaigning for this thing. And it wasn't until the reaction right, afterwards. Organic. Yeah, it was very organic. Those are the 
campaigns you like the most. All right, this time it's really the end of this episode of Collider Mailbag. Thanks, everybody, for watching and taking time on this Saturday. If you're listening to us, thank you for listening to us on the podcast feed there. I want to thank Jeff Snyder for stopping by. Jeff, where can people find you and the stuff you do, my friend? At The Insider on Twitter, Instagram, and Cameo. It's been a while, guys. Get those cameos going. <laughs> I have secrets to spill about the Schmodown. <laughs> oh, yeah, does he? Uh, you can always follow me Follow me rather at The Rokazes on Twitter and on Instagram. And like I said before, at the beginning of the show, send in your questions. We put the call-outs on social media, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Put that hashtag Collider uh, Mailbag on there. Makes it easier to find your questions. Or if you want to email us at mailbag at collider.com. Really appreciate that. I want to thank Adam Smith for working us in the booth. Thank you so much. And we will see you tomorrow with Nikki Novak for another episode of Collider Mailbag. Have a great Saturday. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom. And Casper's Black Friday sale has up to 30% off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with 86 supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to 30% during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com slash terms for more details.